Join me now for a sermon by the Reverend Dr. Jody Seymour of Davidson United Methodist Church, delivered on May 6, 2012. I like this sermon because it deals with the effects of uh, fear-based religion. So we will hear the scripture reading and then the sermon. The scripture by Dr. reading Seymour. today is from the New Testament, the book of First John, chapter four, beginning with the thirteenth verse. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment that we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What you heard is a a love letter about love, written by a man to a church who had started to forget what Jesus had taught. Let us pray. So God, my prayer is that uh, you'll take my words and use them in only the way you can, so that your people can not just hear me but somehow hear your word in the middle of my words. Amen. His name is Thomas Small, that's his real name, but he's known at the village, the fishing village of Merle's Inlet where Betsy and I love to hang out and eat. He's known as Bubba Love. If you want to see Bubba Love, you can find him in the flesh. He's still very much alive, but there's a statue of him that's made sitting on a bench Uh, just in case you miss him in the flesh. Uh, Thomas Small, as he was known in his earlier days, uh, grew up in Merle's Inlet. He worked with his mother at Oliver's Lodge Kitchen. She She was a cook there for 55 years. He is the 15th of 16 children. He grew up the tough way, worked hard, played high school football, and if you ask him, he played a mean game of high school football. He liked to run over people. So how did he get the name Bubba Love? Legend and tradition has it that one day when he was working in the kitchen at Drunken Jack's restaurant, where he now works, he uh, was asked by a woman who knew he helped make uh, some of the sauces to make a barbecue sauce that wasn't so spicy. She just didn't like spicy barbecue sauce. So he said, I can do that. So he made up some uh, recipe and he brought it out to her and put it on this particular piece of meat she wanted. She said, wow, that is wonderful. What did you put in it? Now he talks loud. What did you put in it? He, he roared out, I put love in it, honey, love. 
He became known as Bubba Love. Next door to Drunken Jack's, you can now find Bubba's Love Shack. It is a little dive that I love to go to, so now you're wondering about the preacher. He goes to Drunken Jack's and Bubba's Love Shack. I got my Bubba Love cap. I got my Bubba Love shirt. That's him on the back there. Says this is uh, uh, inlet time. And uh, Betsy, knowing I love to go to the Love Shack, she made me a mouse with Bubba's Love Shack sign on it with me smiling in front of it. Keep listening, I am going to get to the point. (laughs) If you walk in Bubba's Love Shack, it looks out over a beautiful view of the marsh. You can get an appetizer there if you want to. It's called a Bubba-tizer. It's got pretty good food. But when you walk underneath the sign that says Bubba's Love Shack, there's a little small print that you need to pay attention to. And it says simply this, love served daily. So as you hear the words from 1 John today about love, I invite you to God's Love Shack. Special recipe where love is served daily. Now you need to remember these words that you heard this morning were written in response to something. It's 1 John, it's a letter. A lot of the letters, Paul's letters, John's letters, Peter's letters, they're written because something's happened, like you would write a letter. This letter's written to a group of people who are forgetting about Jesus and reverting back to what they call old-time religion based on rules, regulations, fear, and punishment. And John writes them a letter and says, look, uh, it's good to keep rules and you do reap what you sow, but that's not why Jesus came. You're you're to follow him not out of fear, but out of love because of what he did for you. And then he goes on and says, if you're still thinking about punishment, you can't be perfected in love. Now, this is really good Wesleyan theology because John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said we need to grow, grow in perfection, go on to perfection. And we say, if I ask you, are you going on to perfection? You say, kind of smile and say, well, you know. But Wesley, you have to understand, he says, you've got to be going on. You've got to be growing toward love. We we always have to grow. And what was happening with these people is they had gotten stuck back in fear, a fear-based religion. I'm starting to hear a lot of that again these days from the Christian church. So maybe it's time to reread this letter. I remember at my little country church you've heard me tell many stories about. Mr. Burris was often asked to lead the prayers at Sunday school opening at least once a month. And you could always know what Mr. Burris was going to say. He always said at least two things. The first one was, Oh God, we know there's going to be a lot of good people in hell. Well, what, what Mr. Burris meant by that was, I had to kind of thought, well, what's that about? And as I, he's a good man, but what he believed is if you didn't believe in Jesus the way he believed in Jesus, you could still be a good person, but you were going to go to hell. So that's the way he opened his prayer. And then he always ended it the same way. And oh God, please let those who are lost from the way find the way before, and he said it real loud, before it is everlastingly too late. <laughs> so, It was a pretty much fear-based religion. I read this week, uh, someone said, religion is like a bus. We don't get on it unless it's going our way. 
What bus did you get on? If it's the bus that leads to fear and threats and punishment, and that's why you're a Christian, according to this letter, we got on the wrong bus. There's a little book called The Devil's Dictionary. According to the devil, the uh, definition of religion is as follows. Religion is the daughter of fear and hope, explaining to ignorance the mystery of the unknown, the daughter of fear and hope. Have we inherited uh, a religion of fear? Well, I did. Quite frankly, I grew up uh, as a Methodist and a Catholic. Daddy was Catholic, Mama was Methodist, except my Methodist church wasn't like this Methodist church. My, my Methodist churches were smaller churches. We had at least one revival a year, if not two. And when they brought in these outside preachers, oh my goodness. I was scared to death after they got through. <laughs> they were talking about, you got to get right. Jesus may come tomorrow and talked about the threats of burning hell. And as a child, I was scared to death. Then, of course, I go to my Catholic church. And the Catholic faith back then, you never could quite be good enough. So uh, my religion had a good deal of guilt and a good deal of fear in it. Later on, when God had the audacity to call me to be a minister, I, made, I said to God, if you want me to do that and be that, you get somebody else. I've been doing it for 39 years. Fear-based religion is not healthy. It works for a while. It, it can work in the short term. But it doesn't lead to healing, and it doesn't lead to the power of love that's manifest in this letter from John. So this week I did some reading about why this kind of thing happens. One person said, well, one reason is religion is often primarily a search for security and not a search for truth. Religion is what we so often use to keep back the fires of anxiety That's why religion often tends to become excessive, neurotic, controlling, and as we have seen in the last few years, even evil. It's why a purely religious government is always usually a cruel government. People need to understand that questioning and doubting is part of the religious pilgrimage. It should be encouraged. Certainty is not a vice, it's a virtue. You, you, you need to weave in the idea that searching is okay. A true, healthy religion will encourage a searching spirit. A sick and fearful religious system will seek to remove it. Another person who studied religion says, sometimes when we think we're worshiping God, we're actually comforting our fragile egos. I'm not so naive as to assume that we build temples erected to us, but... Is our core need simply to be safe, secure, and sound? And do we construct realities to support those things? No wonder Bertrand Russell once said, Religion is based, I think, primarily and mainly upon fear. Fear of the mysterious, fear of defeat, fear of death. In a book entitled, You Don't Have to Be Wrong for Me to Be Right, The author says, fear is always behind trying to preserve what one perceives as truth in a coercive or threatening way. You see, love 
is not coercive. Have you ever tried to make somebody love you? Ever tried to squeeze a wet bar of soap? (laughs) You can't make somebody love you. You think God's trying to make you love God? You think God can, now listen carefully, the preacher's not cussing, scare the hell out of you? (laughs) There's a religion that thinks it can scare the hell out of you. Well, I want to tell you, I've been there. It can, but it doesn't last. And it's not what Jesus came to offer. Now, sometimes if you mishear Jesus, it sounds like he did come to offer that. For instance, I read a book this week called uh, Healing Your Image of God. I work with a lot of people that need their image of God healed because they grew up on a fear-based, threatening, God's going to get you if you don't watch out religion. So this book is about that. And the man tells a story of uh, talking to a group of alcoholics in AA who've been through hell trying to recover, know they need a higher power in God. So this person said, you remember the parable of the sheep and the goats? Which are you? Are you a sheep or you're a goat? And then he said, let me ask you something. Remember Jesus said, if you want to be a sheep, you've got to treat people like you treat me. And if you want to treat them like that, you'll look at me and you'll find that I'm with the hungry, the sick, the naked, the down and out. So have you helped those people? Raise your hand if you've helped some of those people. Hands went up. Now, goats are people who've maybe walked by somebody who needed them, who didn't go check on the prisoners, who didn't go visit the sick, who didn't clothe the naked. Any of you ever kind of done that? Some hands went up. Says, well, my goodness, then, what are we? Everybody got real quiet, and one guy raised his hand in the back. Said, I think we're good goats. (laughs) That's pretty good. I don't think we're all uh, good in here. Guy standing in front of you, not nearly as good as you may think he is. I grew up on a religion that would make me feel real bad about that. And then I realized what that guy learned. Jesus didn't throw the goats in the eternal fire. He didn't come to punish the goats. He came to find them. You see, the truth is, let's be honest here. Aren't we all good goats? Oh, we try to be sheep. But you see, Jesus didn't come to make you feel bad about being a goat once in a while. Because Jesus loves the sheep and the goats. He loves us so much. He says, that's what John says. Look, you still got rules and regulations. You still reap what you sow. But it's about love for Christ's sake. <laughs> that is what can change the world, not fear. Look at what fear-based religion can do in America and in other faiths like Islam. That's all fear. That is not, if you read, uh, I've, I've taught Islam. It's, it's like the Christian faith in some ways in the Old Testament. It's got a lot of love in it, and it's got some bad stuff in it. But what I want to talk to you today is, is about the Christian faith and what's at the core of the Christian faith, and it is not fear. In fact, perfect love casts out fear. Now, the best way I'm able to help people who come to me with this is a little book I used to have that I gave away and nobody gave it back to me. Um, It's called I'm Saved, You're Saved, Maybe. (laughs) And it's based on Kohlberg's moral development theory. And here's what I want to help you understand today. Our religion and the bus we get on is often based on our worldview, and we find a religion to go with it. We find a bus to get on. So here's the way that works. At the bottom, which is called pre-conventional, is what we learn as children is, you mess up, you're going to get punished, so you better be good. Later on, the next step is, you need to be good for your own sake. 
Next step is, you need to be good because people are watching and, you know, society needs it. And then when you get up near the higher stages, we're supposed to grow to a place where you're good because it's good for everybody. And finally, you're good not just for yourself to get a reward, you're good because being good is being good and you do it for the world. You see how far that is from fear and punishment? When I work with people who come to me, oftentimes they are broken. And they don't come to me about fear usually. They come to me because God, their concept of God has come unwrapped. God has let them down. They've gotten sick. They've lost somebody. They've lost job. All of a sudden, the childhood God doesn't work anymore. Why are they being punished? What did they do wrong? Well, you see where that is? That's way back here. It's time to grow up. You remember what Paul said? He said, you know, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I acted like a child. I thought like a child. But when I grew up, I had to give up childish ways. But in our religion, we're still sometimes back there with fear and punishment. Let's grow, folks, because you've got to grow in love. Perfect love casts out fear. That's what it says. Perfect love casts out fear. So, are you good to get a reward? Are you good so God won't get you? Are you good because people are watching? Are you good because God loved you so much that to not be good is sort of like ignoring love? John wrote something else before he wrote this letter. You all know what it is. Here's the way it goes. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever risked believing in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know what John 3.17 says? Everybody knows John 3.16. John 3.17. For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world but the world through him might be saved. It's still about love. I I hear so many harsh voices in the Christian faith today that are scared to death that something is going to happen or some rule's not going to be kept. So you better be good. Well, I humbly suggest that's reverting to a fear-based religion. We're still going to be held accountable, but if love is our core principle... You see, John said it this way. If you say you come to church and you love God, but you go out there and you despise your brothers and sisters, you are a liar. God still loves you, but you're a liar. You're lying to yourself, you're lying to your brothers and sisters, and you're lying to God. So come on back home, folks. Come to the place of our origins. Grow in love. Let me tell you the good news. God's love shack is open for business. And if you ask Jesus today, like that woman did above a love a long time ago, my goodness, what'd you put in it? Jesus will smile at you and say, love, my child. Love. It's a great recipe. It can still change the world. So come today to God's love shack where love 
is served daily. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon by Dr. Jody Seymour of Davidson United Methodist Church in Davidson, North Carolina, delivered on May 6, 2012. Thanks for listening. This is Men in Balance Radio. Thank you.